Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. Will, in terms of rock songs, where do you rank Eye of the Tiger? Survivors, Eye of the Tiger. From the Rocky Free soundtrack. What's your, your, I understand the song. Thank you for clarifying Eye of the Tiger. But like, (laughs) (laughs) would have been a tough, tough starting point if I didn't know what the song Eye of the Tiger was. Uh, If I did not know, if I was not aware of the song Eye of the Tiger, I would say to your question, where does it rank in the greatest rock songs of all time? Quite low if I had not heard of it. But I have. Uh, I'm familiar with the song. What's your different defini- like when you say greatest rock songs of all time? What's your definition? Well, what are I the guess, parameters? I guess the the question is. So uh, I'll give you some context. So Iona um, occasionally likes to get her face painted before we drop off at daycare, and today she wanted to be a tiger. And so when we got into the car, she was like, I want a song. She started that, of course, January 6th, wasn't it? When she started (laughs) doing it. She wanted to go as the Viking. She wanted the Viking helmet. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) She said, it's time to storm the princess castle, daddy. (laughs) The macadamia castle. (laughs) She was like, those monarchs have had it too good for too long. After the coronation where they – where they coronated the new macadamia king. <laughs> it was time. Where we all had to pledge our allegiance to the macadamia king. <laughs> uh, no, she wanted to hear a song about tigers. And on the hop, the only song I could think of with tiger was I the Tiger. And so I put it on. And like my memory of that, it's so intrinsically linked with Rocky Three. You know, it's the, the opening montage of Rocky Three, which is um, – for context, so Rocky won. Rocky, you know, has a one in a million shot to take on uh, Apollo Creed. Uh, doesn't win, but you know, wins pride. Rocky two, he gets a rematch and he actually becomes a champion. So at the start of Rocky three, the montage you see is Rocky just riding high. He's knocking out chumps left, right, and center. He's appearing on the Muppet Show. He's riding a motorbike. And I think this is also maybe the first or second of the Rocky films that Slide directed. And there's a real vanity project feel to it. There's a lot of kind of slow-mo and muscles and all this kind of stuff going on. Um, it was basically his Instagram reels before oh, there was Instagram 100%, reels. <laughs> you know? And there is this, like coincidentally, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is all linked, but I found this whole subculture of like Sly Stallone fan pages on Instagram that are really like oddly specific. Like for instance, he did this um, arm wrestling movie called Over the Top where he plays a truck driver called Lincoln Hawk, <laughs> you know, who's estranged from his son and he's trying to win enough money in um, underground arm wrestling competitions or maybe they're legit arm wrestling competitions. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what's more likely? That there is a bunch of legit arm wrestling competitions or that there's an underground arm wrestling league. And so he's trying to win those to 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 win his son back or to prove his he can take custody of his son. Anyway, yeah. I found this like Instagram page that was like like it's it's something like at Lincoln Hawk Love or at Lincoln Hawk Fan or something. And I'm like, what is this? And it's all these stills and behind the scenes shots from the vastly forgotten 
uh, action film over the top. Uh, but then that linked me to all these, and they all come from like the Eastern, sort of, it's like Eastern Europe. You know how they sort of say there's certain stars who still have a lot of cachet in Eastern Europe, and it's like stars like Arn. It's all the strong men of the kind of 80s and stuff like that. That's where this this that, that's where all this kind of attention flows. Um, but what was I talking about? Eye of the Tiger. Okay, so well, over the top, like there's all these fan pages. Just before we get back to what you wanted to talk about, Eye of the Tiger, yeah. um, little side note, because yeah. famously I have one bicep that is much bigger than <laughs> the other right. bicep. And do you think, because I think about this in terms of what Sly was trying to achieve with over the top, right? Because like you said, vanity projects, it's the dumbest of all ideas, but it's not a dumb idea if the whole point of your movie is to show off how good your biceps are, right? That's what an arm wrestling movie is great for. Like if you feel like you've got a really good arm, a really good bicep, that's really all you need for an arm wrestling movie. You don't even need the rest of your body to be that good. You just need one super arm. Do you think, like clearly I couldn't get fit enough to compete in any other, You're like not doing rocky. hips, all these sort of things. Yeah. But could I, if I just concentrated on working out that one arm, yeah. like it's already got a head start. Yeah. If I, instead of leaning away from this that, this is the arm that it, porn built. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just went into a Rocky style montage of training my one arm <laughs> like, right. to get this sort of giant arm to enter underground arm wrestling competition. Time to click on that step step siblings tab, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, why not? Like, isn't wouldn't you legit? I mean, look, I don't want to disparage professional arm wrestlers, but legit Olympic sports like javelin and uh, shot put and stuff. I imagine they're all very biased to one limb, right? Yeah, but they still need like I mean, to throw a javelin or a shot put, you still need like great legs, like hips, like there's rotations, there's all those sort of things. Whereas for your arm wrestling. Literally, the rest of your body's just got to act as ballast, right? Like, I've just got to be able to, like, if I could just lump the rest of my body at the table yeah. and then I have, like, one good arm, one, like, okay. just disproportionately big arm. So just say you, like, why mm. don't we funnel whatever funds you have, like, let's sell all yeah. your, you know, the properties you own, you take all your savings, whatever assets you own, and we're just going to channel it into an accelerated training program. We're going to hire the best sports scientists, the best personal trainers, weight trainers, biomechanics experts, and they're all going to focus just on your arm. Yeah. And they're all going to say, this is ridiculous. <laughs> we'll take the money. We're kind of curious to see how this pans out. But this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. But do you – yeah, I, I wonder, like, how long it would take. I mean, clearly the first thing you need to start on is just, like, it'd be strength and conditioning, right? Like, you just that was the first thing you need to do. So you're doing curls every day. You're doing whatever the tricep exercises are. I wonder if nutrition would play a part in that. I mean, can you still be eating like Doritos and stuff but just have an awesome just like jacked arm? Yeah, I reckon, in fact, I think that would be part of the advice, right? Because the more weight you have in the rest of your body to counterbalance That's right. You're anchoring this super it. good arm. So basically, I think you would have to be like carbo loading. Like you'd be doing basically the Chris Hemsworth Thor diet but only working out one arm <laughs> and hoping that all <laughs> – like the energy and all like the protein and everything was just going into this one arm. I think, it, I mean, surely it could work. Maybe we get some of that kind of EMS training, you know, the electric shock thing. So mm. even while you're sleeping, like we get your muscles twitching mm. at night. So you're constantly working on that one arm. But I wonder if, 
Like, would you need cardio? Because I mean, I know it's it's like a strength sport, but like, if you're, it's an endurance test. Like, if you come up against another dude, you know, who's kind of equally as strong as you, and you're sort of locked into, you're going to need something, some other kind of fitness, right? To right. can't just rely on the weight, the counterbalance weight of Doritos. <laughs> I mean, do you think, though, you would get, like, some amount of fitness just generally from working out one arm? Like, is there a overall cardio benefit? Because it's not like – I mean, your heart's still pumping and all the all the things you would be doing to work out that arm. Are you doing, like, are you doing one-arm push-ups? Because that engages the rest of your body. Mm, interesting. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, like, it's not like you can entirely just work out the no, arm. No, you can. Like, there's going to be. <laughs> Absolutely, you can just work out the arm. There's a whole series of exercises we could do, which would just isolate your biceps and triceps and forearm. And uh-huh. even your hand and wrist would be, we'd work on doing some like wrist mobility exercises. Like, I do a bit, I do a full like two minute wrist circuit before I do any kind of weights just to kind of get that all going. So, I reckon we could just focus. On your okay. Own. Well, in that case, no, I'm not doing one arm push-ups. Then, <laughs> if we feel like we can just isolate it to one arm, let's just concentrate on the how arm. How do you think? How much of a lead-in do do we think before we enter you into your first competition? I mean, you'd want to like I. I would have thought if I'm going into full-time training on one arm. Well, I mean, how full-time does it need to be? Ten hours, like, how much ten can hours you a day. work out? <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, that's fine. No, but not just physical, but you're studying tapes and yeah. stuff as well. You've got like former world champions. We've hired like, you know, uh, there's the guy who wrote over the top to come in <laughs> and be like a, a consultant in your training, all that kind of stuff. This feels like too much to me. Like I feel like I just want to concentrate on working out my super arm. I don't want to like know anything about the tactics. I don't want to be like, nah, I just want to have like that's tactics time is time I could be spent working out my super arm. So I feel like it's just got to be – if you say it's 10 hours a day, because, like, you can still do other things. I could, like, be – I could be working out my super arm right now while we're podcasting, yeah. right? Yeah. One of those like, little, particularly um, if I'm doing, like you said, recoveries or, yeah. like, anything that's electronic or whatever, I could have, like, my super arm, like, in an ice bath at the moment while we were podcasting with each other. So I could multitask. It's just one arm. I've got a whole other – like, I could use my left arm for every day around the house chores because this is now my wrestling arm, Right. Like, I've got to protect it, like, for the matches. 100%. Do you think – here's what I will say. I think maybe you, I, I would, also think protect it, but I also think you need to toughen it up like a kickboxer. You've got to be outside just whacking the side of a tree with your forearm just to build up the kind of, like, you know, the skin and, and the muscle, the tissue on the outside. I agree with that. I think there would have to be some roughening of my skin. Like <laughs> – you know, I'd need to – my hands are quite soft at the moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think too much, would like – Too much pushing pencils, Will. <laughs> Although maybe that's a competitive advantage. Like maybe that first time that you're slapped together with the other guy in the arm wrestling ring and he feels your soft, soft He's hands. Like, thinks, oh, hang on. Yeah. And maybe that's my thing is like I disguise my giant arm. So like I come in and you see me from one side. Like I've got a real two-faced thing going on. And so you see me from one side and you see my like my normal like weak left arm and you're like, oh my God, like I'm gonna absolutely beat this guy. Like it like this is gonna be the easiest arm wrestling race I've ever done in my life. And then I turn around. Yeah, this giant, like and I reveal jacked. the super arm, <laughs> this giant arm. It would be kind of psychologically yeah. intimidating because if I was your opponent, I would be like, This dude is insane. Like who ha- who would dedicate their life to just 
I mean, obviously, he's been. This is his focused his entire. He's probably sold everything he has and hired every yeah. expert in the world and put it into this. <laughs> yeah, can we make this one thing? Can we make a, a reality series at the same time, like a Welcome to Wrexham type thing about, yeah. like, you know, the will one to man's win quest to become yeah the will the to greatest win. <laughs> even even over the topper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which again sounds like another category on Pornhub. I've got to be honest with you. I don't want to be an over the topper. Uh, yeah, no, I think we need to because we'll need to yeah. we'll need to make some money back because I don't think there's a huge yeah. amount of money in arm wrestling, professional arm wrestling. No, but then I'd take on challenges for cash, like charity or, like, or no cash. Right. No, I mean this is how we make some money out of it. Okay. Like yeah, I, now I'm at like county fairs and places like that where you can come and try your luck against. You know the like you know. I think that's what I would end up doing. I'd, I'd end up on the on the carny circuit. <laughs> uh, right. So what was I talking about? Eye of the tiger. So oh, uh, eye of the tiger. Okay. So the montage. Um, that's where eye of the tiger kicks in, and I think for any kid of our generation, um, it was a real like. You know, you hear those dun, 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 and it, it's like it's 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 motivating. Like it's kind of the. It just gets you. It gets your energy going. It's kind of like uh, it was new metal before new metal. You know how you said that new metal is perfectly designed for kind of like wrestling promos. That's like Eye of the Tiger. But then I was like, is it just because of my fondness for Rocky in that montage? Like when I, if I listen to this song in isolation, is it actually a good song, or is it just because it's attached to a very popular film franchise and is deployed masterfully? in a very exciting montage sequence because I don't know. I was listening to it and I'm like, it's got a great kind of that dun, 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 whatever you call that, like a riff. And the eh, 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 that's all cool. But then when it gets into the song, there's like keyboards and it gets all soft rocky and no, no pun intended. But I also think like what you're saying is that there is an element of it that 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 driving beat that you're talking about at the start. It still has a, a bit of that disco flavor yes. almost underneath it for a rock song, right? Yeah. Like particularly the percussion in the, is very disco. Da, 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 yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. <laughs> like if like if that was in like Saturday Night Live or something, yeah, you know, with John Travolta walking down the street, yeah. you'd be like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense as well. Do I think that the riffs are strong enough that it would be an iconic song outside people knowing it from Rocky? Yes, because I think it was. Like I think there were people who enjoyed that song and that was like a big rock song. That And it's certainly like you've seen it used as a motivational song. I guess it's association with motivation, like, you know, in clips of, you know, sporting highlights and things like that that it might be used. Probably does come from its association with Rocky though. Like the reason that you'll see a basketball montage or a football montage or any of those sort of things over that song is because – Probably the person who put that montage together grew up watching Rocky and yeah. thought it looked cool. But it, it became the unofficial anthem for Rocky. They used it again in Rocky Four, like the that famous kind of like it's not a graphic, I guess, but you see the Russian glove and the American glove come together and explode at the opening of Rocky Four, and they're playing Eye of the Tiger. So because the Rocky theme in itself is a real like you know uplifting, inspirational, motivating song. That's more of your orchestral, you know, going to fly now. But then you got the the rock version. But because I because Iona, I was watching her li- listening to it because I'm like, it's not really a song about tigers. They mentioned uh, the eye of a tiger, and it's really just about a guy, you know, getting his will to live back. He's back on the street. He's you know, he's got the skills, got the glory, blah blah blah. 
But Iona was like enjoying it. I could see she does this thing now when she listens to music where she actually starts to move to the beat. And I could see her nodding. And then we got into daycare, you know, we stopped the song. And I said, did you like that? And she's like, yeah. And I said, do you have the eye of the tiger? And she looked at me and she was like, rah. And I was like, oh, my God. It actually, <laughs> like it works. The message of the song right. is to be it the best. Her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have the eye of the tiger. Do you, want, do you want some facts about the song, Eye of the Tiger? Yeah, I would absolutely love some facts about the okay. song, Eye of the All right. Tiger. So um, it's the band with Survivor. It was released Survivor, as yes. a single from their third album of the same name. It was also the theme song in the film Rocky Three theme song does that count okay um which was released the day before the single okay so definitely the film is kind of how people it wasn't like they took a popular song and put it in the film it was the film and the song happened simultaneously uh but it was recorded at the request of rocky three star sylvester stallone after queen denied him permission to use another one bites the dust that was the original song stallone intended to use as the rocky three theme Doom. Dum, wow! Dum. Yeah, dum, dum. you can sort of hear it's it. It's the eye of the tiger. It's a, <laughs> you can do a mashup of those two very easily. Hang on, we've got a lawsuit. <laughs> Call Ed Sheeran; he might be able to give us some advice. The version of the song that appears in Rocky Three is a demo version of the song. The film version also contained tiger growls, which does not appear on the album version, and it features the original Survivor singer Dave Bickler on lead vocals. The song is also the title song to the 1986 film of the same name, Eye of the Tiger. Okay, I didn't even know there was a film. It gained tremendous MTV and radio airplay and it topped the charts in 1982. In the United States, it held the number one spot on the Billboard 100. Okay, so I think regardless of what you think of this song, it's an undeniable hit, right? You don't get to number one in the States without being... Huge. I would. I no, no. This is a hit song, and it's endured. That's the other thing about it. Like, I mean, it's. I don't think there's but classic rocks never stop playing "Eye of the Tiger." Uh, it stayed there for six consecutive weeks, and it's the band's only song to reach the top of the charts. Um, and was the number two single of 1982 behind. Oh, okay, great. Okay, give me give me some Charlie Clawson style clues here. About, okay, like- um, a, an Australian artist, believe it or not. Oh, an Australian artist in 1982, uh, Men at Work. No, a female uh, artist. Uh, Olivia Newton-John. And the song was uh, very much oh. of the same theme, the same kind of era. Yeah. So Xanadu? No, more of a like think about what Rocky, that montage and Rocky, what that's celebrating. It's all about like. Let's get physical. Physical. <laughs> I guess in 1982, people really wanted messages about health. Uh, okay. Uh, it spent 15 consecutive weeks in the top 10, the second longest run of 1982, behind another song um, by an 80s artist. Okay. I'll give you a Clawson style clue. Um, <laughs> if I was going to send a cantaloupe. <laughs> If you're going to send a cantaloupe, if I was going to send a cantaloupe yeah. away for the summer, yeah, I might send him to the. I might send it to this place, John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get to my big cat clue. You nailed it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Hurt so good by John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> This top 10 run is tied with the aforementioned Another One Bites the Dust, as well as physical, as the longest run in the top 10 for a number one song during the 1980s decade. That's got to make Sly feel good, right? So Queen say to him, get stuffed. 
And so it's like, well, I'll just I'll just get another band to write a Queen song, and that will become the second highest uh, charting song of the eighties, besides another one bites the dust. I mean, that's amazing. Sly was at the peak is, of his powers, right? He must have. It must have been amazing, really, because the one thing that we know—I mean, look—he's been super successful, and look, you know, he's, you know, he's got his absolute talents, right? Like as both an actor and a director, and like, you know, all these sort of things. He's he's got talent. Well, especially considering what he is, like when you think of the unlikeliness of him when he started his career becoming. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like the Italian stallion, the soft porn actor. Yeah, who. Can barely talk. Yeah. Who like just it's so unlikely that he was such a cultural, like a huge cultural influence, both in the movies that he was making, like and how reflective they were of the era. And but the fact that a decade it had of a cultural yeah, yeah. But also had a cultural footprint that was outside the movies. And is still, I mean, this story, the one, the one we're talking about, they're still making movies based on this myth, this story, like it's still happening today. Yeah. Um, the band won an award for best rock performance or rock duo at the Grammy Awards. Okay. So it's award winning as well as chart topping. And it's September 1982. It also picked at number one in the United Kingdom and stayed at the top of the UK charts for four consecutive weeks. It was cert- uh, certified platinum in 1982, uh, signifying uh, 2 million sales of the vinyl copies, uh, vinyl copies of the song, and it has sold over 4.1 million digital downloads in the United States by February 2015. And it was voted in uh, uh, voted VH1's 63rd greatest hard rock song. See that? There you go. I don't dispute. <laughs> I don't dispute it's great, but I dispute whether yeah. it's hard rock. I think it's. I think it's actually quite soft. I think it's soft rock. Or does the soft rock I mean, have to be love songs? It's it, it it you could find it in both of those lists. I think that I think it's probably the chorus that make it takes it into a bit of like a hard like what they consider hard rock. Like if it was all just like the verse, then I think it would be a soft rock song. I think it's the opening is is what makes it hard rock. It's the dun 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 and then when it gets into the vocals, you like it's got that disco kind of, and then the the really high kind of lead vocals. And he's not really he's, it's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of our rivals. I guess it's got kind of hard rock implications. It's not about love or anything like that. Um, okay, uh, co-writer John Pederick uh, explained the song's title. At first, we wondered if calling it "Eye of the Tiger" was too obvious. The initial draft of the song we started with, it's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the spirit of our rival, and the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night, and it all comes down to survival. We were going to call the song Survival. <laughs> the band mm. Survivor. Survivor. We're going to call the song. <laughs> song Survival by Survivor. <laughs> in the rhyme scheme, you can tell we had set up Rival to rhyme with Survival. At the end of the day, we said, are we nuts? <laughs> that hook is so strong <laughs> and Rival doesn't have to be perfectly rhymed with Tiger. So we made the right choice and went with Eye of the Tiger. Yes, absolutely. You shouldn't. If your band is called Survivor, don't release a song called Survival. Yeah, Although, I don't think we would be having a conversation right now about, do you remember that song, Survival by Survivor? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird though, is that because didn't um, Destiny's Child, they sampled Eye of the Tiger in one of their songs, didn't they? Dun, 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 dun. Michelle, can you handle this? 
Beyonce, can you handle this? What's that song? Um, I don't think you're ready for this ready jelly. For this jelly. <laughs> isn't that isn't that Eye of the Tiger at the start? Because your body's too bootylicious. 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 <laughs> bootylicious. Is that what the song's called? How, how could we have forgotten the bootylicious era? <laughs> uh, more accolades for the song. It was nominated in for the, uh, the 1982 Academy Award for Best Original Song, but lost to. Um, okay. This was a this now this is a very much a soft rock song. It's a okay. duet. Mm-hmm. Um a parodied in The Simpsons. Uh the movie was parodied in The Simpsons. Um it is a uh, the, the title uh, offers <laughs> Thank a- you for really narrowing it down by saying <laughs> it was something that was parodied in The Simpsons. Well, it's been parodied a lot. There's a yeah. final scene of the film is is quite famous. Um the, the title of the film is an inherent contradiction. Oh, no, it's not a contradiction. It's a it's a duality, not a contradiction. A duality. A duality um, of man. He can be both a blank and a blank. Um oh, man can be both a man can be both a um All right, how oh. about I give you a clue to this song? That's yeah, that's better. Um Okay. Uh so the opposite of this would hate would keep us down below. <laughs> Where Love we will lift us up where we be. belong. Okay, sure. All right. Well, you could have just told me what the song was called based on that clue. I want to hear the song Hate Leaves Us Down Below Where We Don't Want to Be, where we don't where we belong. Absolutely do not belong, where we're trespassing. Hate Leaves Us Down Below Where We Trespass. What film's that from? Uh, I don't know what it the film is. The Duality of Man. Yeah. If I was to say to you, what are you doing here? Because I've got nowhere else to go. What film's that from? Um, if I said uh, gerbil. <laughs> if I mentioned <laughs> Richard Gere. Yes, correct. Um, uh, Just awful, isn't it, that that urban myth, like I only have to say gerbil and you immediately, like like Richard yeah, Gere. Yeah, I can't sure, remember. An officer and a gentleman. An officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it, I've ever seen an officer and a gentleman. I don't. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, it's good. It's a good film. I mean, you know, it's just an it's an old school ladies romance. Apparently, they hated each is other. Is the though. officer and the gentleman both the same guy? Is that yes. both Richard Gere? Yeah, yeah. Is he the officer and the gentleman? He's the officer and the gentleman. He's a screw up. He's a he's a he's a kid from the wrong side of the tracks who joins the army and uh, reaches the the rank of officer and gets the girl gets a girl. So he's both mm. an officer and a gentleman. Sounds great. <laughs> you would love it. <laughs> Sounds – I can't believe I've never watched it. Um, so they won Best Rock Performance at the Grammy Awards. Uh, but so it was nominated for Song of the Year but lost to Willie Nelson. Okay, lawsuits. All right, here we go. There's been quite a few lawsuits, mainly to do with Republicans, which is strange. So in 2000- Oh, is this people who use it as yeah. their theme song? Yes, yeah. Right, okay. so in 2012, uh, Survivor sued Republican presidential candidate Newt Gingrich in Illinois federal court for using the song without authorization as the entrance music to political rallies. The suit was later settled out of court. Mitt Romney, uh, 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 it's the same year Sullivan also that Mitt Romney, also a Republican candidate, should stop playing Eye of the Tiger of the campaign. Romney agreed to drop the song from the campaign's playlists. Mike Huckabee, uh, 
Frank Sullivan's uh, Rude Music Company filed a lawsuit in federal court in Chicago, Illinois on t- in 2015 against former governor of Arkansas and Republican presidential candidate Mike Huckabee for using either tiger at a political rally without permission. The rally took place when Kim Davis, a Kentucky County clerk, was released from jail after spending five days for refusing to issue a marriage license to a same-sex couple in Kentucky. Right. Well, that's good on good you know, on I'm enjoying this. Yeah, Survivor. Like, firstly, I love that they're willing to sue. That's what I'm enjoying about Survivor. But secondly, I do like that they're fighting the political fight because you can imagine that some of their fan base, some of the people who love Eye of the Tiger would be people who absolutely might be at those you know, political rallies for those sort of people. Like, you can, you can absolutely get that. And – the fact that they're willing to say, hey, don't do this, is is good, I well, think. Well, it's I, the Tiger, and the other song that always seems to be getting played at, like, political rallies and is um, We're Not Gonna Take It. We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. Yeah, which Dee Snyder <laughs> is like, like he he's very anti-conservative and he hates it. He's constantly laying out lawsuits. And I think even the message of the song is, like, is a rebellion against, like, conservative values. Like, the irony is the song is actually a, a rallying cry against conservatism. Have they never seen the film clip? <laughs> yeah, right. Cross-dressing. What are you going to do with yeah. your life, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want to rock. <laughs> if we had to have, like, if we were doing some kind of TOEFOP political yep. rally, what are we coming out to? But oh, you with, mean like like okay. theme songs aside, like anyone who's made music for the show in the past, theme songs like something that sums up us. Oh yeah, okay. You mean like yeah? So this to set the mood, like if the idea of like Rocky doing a training montage, the perfect music is, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like it needs to be something that, um, yeah. I mean, oh, like, I mean, probably overly long and meandering. I'm yeah. thinking. <laughs> Like, like, like a Brian of, Jonestown massacre, like one of their yeah, fourteen that's right. minute yep. songs. <laughs> five songs, fourteen Just minutes. The Grateful Dead, three fights in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah, some sort of fish jam. <laughs> Is it more of a hip hop kind of flavor? Is there something kind of? I'm going to go see Wu Tang uh, this weekend, which will be a couple of weekends ago by the time people the, hear this. Where are the Wu Tang? Driving up to Brisbane to see Wu Tang. Do you know who, how many of the the clan are in town for no, the No, I was actually going to message you because I am not like I'm, – I'm not completely familiar with Wu-Tang Clan. I've been listening to a bit um, – I'm going with Sam. He's a big Wu-Tang fan and so he got organised the tickets. But I've been trying to – I was going to get the – find out what that documentary is called because I, 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 I get confused Mate, by how if, many people you, there are in the Wu-Tang Clan. If you go on to Stan, the streaming service Stan, there is – so much Wu-Tang content on there for you. Like there is the like series, the fictionalized series around their life. There is the documentary of Mike's and Men, I believe is the name of the documentary. Um, they're all very good at helping you get some more clarity around who is. I'm just going to see if I can find. Um, oh, and Nas. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that'll be awesome. That's a, I can't believe that I oh, – this is how – okay, hang on. What can I expect at a Wu Tang? Like, am I gonna oh, stand who, out? Who fucking knows? <laughs> really? 
man. It's the best. It might be the greatest thing you've ever seen in your entire life or the worst thing that you've ever seen in your – well, no, that's probably not fair. Like, like, But it can be sometimes – pretty loose and pretty shambolic depending on who's decided to rock up and who's managed to make it through immigration with the various, you know, criminal offences that they all have that make it hard to get a visa. And like then sometimes one of them just changes their mind when they get to the airport and decides not to get on the plane. And so I think I've only ever seen original lineup Wu-Tang once ever um now let's see if they've got it they're saying here who's out with them this time um founded in new york the wu-tang clan is comprised of rizza jizza method man raycon ghost face killer you god master killer inspector get capadonna and the deceased old dirty bastard okay that's old so how, so that how, how many how many is that 10 uh i think like so basically what you'll learn is there's kind of an internal like whatever it is, seven or whatever, and then it kind of there's a broader right. Like they've got a bench, yeah. an extended squad, okay, of the Wu Tang Clan, <laughs> super sub, <laughs> and then there's Young Dirty Bastard. I, I want to see who's on this tour. Like normally they might say who's uh, who's actually on the tour, but um, it doesn't seem to give me a lineup. Um, which Wu Tang members are touring Australia? Here we go. All right, good. Um, let's see. Do you think the, uh, the vintage of fan will be my age or will are the kids still into Wu-Tang Clan? Oh, uh, both. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think there'll be heaps of people your age and then there will be, um, yeah, there'll be kids a next generation paying respect. as well. Kids who pay respect to the, the Mate, originators. Like, I mean, the music stands up. You know, it's got that real timeless quality and it's had such an influence on – you know, what has come after it. And I think there's also through these documentaries and through, um, you know, these series and whatever, there's been a renewed interest in the story of the Wu-Tang Clan. I, I, I think you'll have a great time. Like I've seen them heaps and most of it's been some of the best gigs I've ever been to and then there was a couple of other, other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I always find too, like now when I go to see like a gig, like well, gig and concert's a different thing. Like this is a concert but – because Sam was like, oh, do you want general admission as standing and there's general admission seating? And I'm like, oh, can we get the seats? Like I just – knowing that it's going to be like a long show and I just – the last time I went and stood at, at a concert for like five hours, I was in so much pain <laughs> afterwards. That's why I'm like, what's the vintage of the crowd going to be? Because especially if like, you know, they're super young and athletic, I don't need that rubbed in my face. But I think I will be – in the seated area, standing, sure. Like if people stand, I'm happy to stand, but I just need the option of being able to sit down these days. I mean, in a way it's okay because there's so many of them on stage. Like having a bit of a bird's eye view from somewhere <laughs> probably isn't the worst idea. Um, you'll probably get a really good sense of the show from there. And the other thing is I think you'll find that there'll be more people who look like you than there will be, you know, young, young people would be my yeah. guess. This is interesting when you go and see those old bands, those pioneering bands. Like I remember when I saw not the good version of Guns N' Roses, but when it was Axel and Band. With Buckethead. Buckethead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you say gerbil, you think Richard Gere. You say shit Guns N' Roses, you say Buckethead. I mean, Buckethead. it's an unfortunate kind of I mean, what a cultural influence for Buckethead though. Like, I mean, I don't remember a lot of people, but I absolutely remember Buckethead. 
Is Buckethead the poor man's Wes Borland, or is Wes Borland the poor man's Buckethead? No, because they're I both Buck- kind of goofy guitar. Well, guitarists for heavy bands that have goofy outfits. I think Wes Borland, like Buckethead, was in a better band, right? Yeah. But Wes Borland well, was. I don't know. <laughs> was he? I mean. He was in a band that wrote better songs. I don't know that he was in a better band when he was playing with them because I saw Buckethead and No, GNR. well, that's what I – I guess that's what I mean is that GNR are a greater band than Limp Bizkit, right? That, that's what I'm going to say, right? Like just in general in the history of rock and roll music. But Wes Borland is like one of the integral members. Iconic. He's an iconic, iconic as opposed to Buckethead who's like <laughs> – <laughs> oh, shit. Look, I know it's a bit late in the episode to do it. I'm going to just type in Buckethead into Wikipedia because what an enigma. Buckethead came out. Yeah, he's just your replacement guy. Like, I mean, Buckethead could be the replacement for Wes Borland if Limp Biscuit got back together and, and Wes didn't want it to. I'd call Buckethead. Okay. So, uh, Buckethead is Brian Patrick yep. Carroll. Uh, born in 1969, known professionally as Buckethead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How's known professionally as Buckethead. Gutter, a guitarist, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist. He's received critical acclaim for his innovative electric guitar playing Okay, and spans several genres, including progressive, mm-hmm. metal, uh, funk, blues, bluegrass, ambient, and avant-garde music. I he mean, performs- it actually sounds like he's very impressive, so I reckon – like, don't call yourself Buckethead because it undervalues. <laughs> he performs primarily as a solo artist, uh-huh. although he has collaborated with artists such as Bill Laswell, Bootsy Collins, Bernie Worrell, Iggy Pop, Les Claypool, Serge Tar- Ta- Tankian, Bill Mosley, Mike Patton, Viggo Mortensen. What the? I didn't know Viggo Mortensen played music. Um, blah, 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 a bunch of people. He was also a member of Guns N' Roses from 2000 to 2004. He's recorded 435 studio albums. <laughs> so it's so a lot of albums. Here's, here's what we've discovered. Buckethead is one of the greatest artists of the modern times and we've just been dismissing him as Buckethead for all this time. 435 yeah. studio albums, studio including albums. four special releases and one EP. He's performed now, Charlie, on- question. Yeah. Do you, with, with Buckethead. If he's coming in to play on your studio album, like, you know, he's one of the greatest multi-instrumentalists there is, mm. you're putting together an album, you're Vigo Mortensen, you're putting yep. together your studio album and you've gone, you know what, I need the best. I need the best. I need a guy who's got like the track record, who's worked with some of the greatest artists of all time. That's who I need. Someone who's worked with Bootsy Collins and Mike Patton. This is like, this is the guy that I need. Mm. D- does Buckethead wear the bucket into the studio? The first like when he. Um, no, I mean at all times. Like his bucket head, like when he's in the studio making music, does yeah. he have the bucket on his head or is the bucket – because if he's known professionally as bucket head, if you just like – if he just rocks up in the studio and he's got no bucket on his head, you are you really him. getting the full bucket head experience? Well, gonna, okay, let's let's get into the, the bucket head yeah. of it all. So uh, also, just before we get into that, additionally, he's he's done music for movies, like a bunch of movies. Saw 2, Ghost okay. of Mars, Beverly Hills Ninja, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Last Action Hero. Like he's done a lot. 
Okay. Sorry, Buck. I'm sorry for writing you off so prematurely, Buckethead. Well, we didn't write him off. We just identified a certain era of Guns N' Roses that he was a member of. Okay, so I know, Buckethead- but when I say Buckethead and Guns N' Roses, what the implication is the shit era of Guns N' Roses, <laughs> where it turns out that like Buckethead was there doing his best. Buckethead's got to eat, mate. Buckethead had to pay his rent. Buckethead performs wearing a KFC bucket on his head. Emblazoned. Oh, it, it is a KFC bucket? <laughs> yeah. Is, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it says in Wikipedia. Um, and it's emblazoned with an orange bumper sticker that reads funeral in block letters and an expressionless plain white mask inspired by Michael Myers from the Halloween movies. At one point, he changed to a plain white bucket without a KFC logo, but subsequently reverted to his emblematic KFC bucket without a funeral sticker. He also incorporates a nunchuck and robot dancing in his stage performance. <laughs> I mean, that's a real mix, isn't it, by Buckethead? But it does feel like Wes Borland, like I don't know if they ever cross paths, but when you look at the photo, like it's, I mean, Wes Borland puts a lot more into his costumes, but there's a definite kind of crossover there's an influence of some kind whether or not one influenced the other i don't know which way but they're, they're very similar he's got long hair though he looks like slash with a bucket maybe he is slash with a bucket on his head wouldn't Imagine. that be a plot twist <laughs> bucket head was credited by guitar world as ushering in a new era of virtuosity while ranking the release of his debut album bucket headland <laughs> <laughs> which was ranked as the 45th greatest moment in electric guitar history. The magazine has also listed him amongst the 25 all-time weirdest guitarists and also one of the 50 fastest guitarists of all time. Okay, so we can skip his childhood, blah, blah, blah. He grew up in California. The Buckethead persona. It mm, came to that's be what I want to know about. When Carol saw the 1988 horror movie Halloween 4 and was inspired by the film, he went right out after seeing it and bought a Michael Myers like a white mask. The bucket idea came later that night while eating chicken. And this is a quote from Buckethead. <laughs> In so 19- the, the idea came when he ate a bucket of chicken and just thought, I might put this bucket on my head. Boom, the legend was born. He says, I was eating it and I put the mask on and then I put the bucket on my head. I went to the mirror and I just said, bucket head. That's bucket head right there. (laughs) It was just one of those things. And after that, I wanted to be that thing all the time. I mean, like – I don't know why I thought there might have been some complexity to the origins of Buckethead, Buckethead but it's exactly- The Buckethead backstory. <laughs> it's just exactly what you think You know, my is. parents found me on a doorstep in a bucket, and I grew in up a- in that bucket. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was afraid of buckets. <laughs> in, 19, uh, in 2017, mm. Carol gave a rare out-of-character interview discussing okay. all ranges yeah. of his life, the Buckethead character, his parents' deaths, his health problems, and how he copes with overcoming fear. So maybe he was like, maybe he fell down a well and got hit on the head with a bucket. Well for, well for the buckets. He was down the bottom of the well and there was all these buckets that had been dropped. I mean, that if you were going to fall down a well, like one of the likely things that you would actually fall on is a bunch of buckets, bucket. right? Buckets yeah. fall down the bottom of wells. He's fallen into a well full of buckets, decided that he would fight crime as Buckethead, and then one day just going, you know what, maybe I'll just like just learn how to play guitar. Here's a great quote from Ozzy Osbourne. I tried out that Buckethead guy. 
I met with him and I asked him to work with me, but only if he got rid of that fucking bucket. (laughs) (laughs) So I came back a bit later and he's wearing this green fucking Martian hat thing. I said, look, just be yourself. He told me his name was Brian. So I said, that's what I'll call you. He says, no, no, no one calls me Brian except my mother. So I said, pretend I'm your mum then. I haven't even got out of the room and he's already playing fucking mind games with and, and I'm already playing mind games with this guy. What happens is one day he's gone and there's a note saying, hey, I've been beamed up to Mars. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player and he plays my motherfucker, but he's a weirdo. <laughs> when Ozzy Osbourne's telling you that you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, let's get to the mailbag and then I reckon we can wrap things up. Um, if you want to send us a message, you can. You can go to tofop.com. There's a little contact uh, menu. Just pick the podcast you want to get in touch with and you send us an email. And while you're there, you might as well check out some of our other great podcasts. We do one called Two Guys, One Cup, which comes out every Tuesday on the Listener app. And it's a lot like Tofop, just we sort of focus it around football. But I think even if you're not a footy fan, you'll enjoy it. Um, we do another one called uh, Fofop, which is every Friday. It's Tofop with friends. Will and I take turns to uh, chat with various people. Sometimes we're going to chat with uh, people together. In fact, we've got something to talk about once we finish recording this episode. Will, I've got to, we're going to have a production meeting. And Willosophy is back as well. Um, all of that can be found at tofop.com. Yeah. That's true. A whole bunch of good uh, new uh, philosophy episodes, a um, whole bunch of new and emerging comedians, uh, a great uh, Guy Williams episode, the Chris Ryan episode is getting a lot of cool feedback, but there's um, some really cool ones coming as well. So, uh, yeah, go to the philosophy feed, sign back up. And I have put a little note up on the philosophy Patreon page to say that I'd recommend that everybody pop over to the Tofop Patreon page instead because you can get all the Tofop bonus content that is there and also we post the ad-free episodes of philosophy up there on the tofop patreon page now as well uh there are some people who have just gone nah i'm gonna stay <laughs> well, here. i'll be right oh, no. <laughs> i'm right thanks i'm okay, I don't really thanks. need that i'm okay thanks but uh for everybody else you can pop over to the tofop patreon yeah i mean look it's worth uh signing up for the tofop patreon because you're going to get all the podcast ad free so if you're into philosophy fofop um whatever you're into you'll get that they're ad free at patreon.com slash tofop plus a bunch of other great bonus stuff we do a bonus tofop every couple of weeks in fact i think there should be one from last week up there right now now this donut king thing just keeps rolling on people are Mm -hmm. furious with us uh for claiming donut king was dead because we sort of said it doesn't exist anymore and people like you're absolutely wrong it doesn't exist we said it only exists in certain Areas it seemed to the, us when we I looked it up. I think the implication is that you and I live behind the quinoa curtain um, because the king is with his people, alive and well. He's a man of the people um, in areas that we – because we were saying, oh, we don't know where East Gardens is. But I also – I don't live in Sydney. I haven't, I, I haven't lived in – I live in a semi-rural area. The Donut yeah, King's but also when you live in not- Sydney, as everyone who lives in Sydney knows, you only ever go 15 kilometres from yeah. your own house. <laughs> exactly. There was a Donut King in Bondi Junction, which is cl- the closest shopping centre to me, and they ran him out of town. They replaced him with some other, like, mm. I don't know, Boost Juice or something like that. Mm. It was disgraceful. Um, anyway, Andy's written in to say, hey, lads, just listen to your Donut Chat, and I can confirm there is a Donut King in full swing uh, in a sh- in Shopping World Plaza in Tamworth, New South Wales. Um, he also Again, said, "Feels like it's thriving in the regions. Like it yeah. doesn't. Well, the not regions region. and the outer suburbs. Yeah, not for us. Um, this is an interesting letter. This came in from Julie, 
and the subject is all hail the Donut King. Hi, Will and Charlie. I don't think Charlie's ever spoken so passionately about anything as he waxed lyrical about the majesty of Donut King. Having grown up in suburban Sydney, it seemed they were everywhere, but I never had a chance to try one before they quietly disappeared. I've since moved to Queensland, and it so happened that I was in yet another suburban mall when a familiar scent of cinnamon wafted towards me. So I just had to see what the fuss was all about, which was how I ended up sitting alone in my car, <laughs> a dimly lit underground <laughs> car park at 10 a.m., furtively eating a Donut King donut like an addict. And well, it was glorious. Not that I've ever doubted your culinary taste, but you were right on the money, and I am now ruined for cinnamon donuts forever. And that is the way to eat a Donut King donut, like in shame. get the hot cinnamon in shame. Hide, hide in and eat shame eat it. Like you just yeah, eat it in a car park where no one else can see, and just you do that Simpsons test where you just rub the the donut on the paper bag, and once it goes, yeah. the, you can see once the it becomes see through, it's ready to eat. <laughs> it's ready to eat. <laughs> I'm still not entirely unconvinced that the whole yeah. donut bit wasn't a piece of viral marketing snuck in there. But if there's a sudden uptick in Donut King sales, you can take the credit. I mean, that is a good. Uh, Mike, the third, can we get onto that? Can you just send Donut King a, an email and just say, look. Well, they don't, they don't need to now. We've done all the hard work for them for we'll free. we do more, though. We'll get, some, mm. get some contra. Anyway, I'm not sure if this question has been asked before, but have either of you ever had to do an ad that you're not particularly proud of, either because you felt morally opposed to it or it was just kind of daggy or cringy? Uh, well, we have exclusions in our contract. So we sort of say up front that we don't want to do, you know, cert- there's certain things we don't want to endorse. So I don't there think are, we've yeah, ever- there are, we, we draw our lines in, you know, our own places for there are brands and companies that we don't advertise. And look, I mean, advertising by its very nature can sometimes like feel a bit weird or like dag. I'm sure there've been, you know, things that we've, said or the you know like we've we've laughed at at the time to go this is a funny way of you know us saying this or you know when a company's wanted us to say something a specific way cut out the middleman (laughs) 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 but but yeah most of the time the products that we have on the podcast as ads we either at the very least endorse or sometimes we're just you know that we're fine with you know it's one of those things where we're happy for them to advertise on the show i mean as an actor i've appeared in a bunch of ads that I'd never want to see again, but then like your agent tells you how much they're going to pay you and you're like, I guess I can do that. This is my job, I guess. (laughs) This is literally the way that I earn my living. So I suppose (laughs) my morals aren't going to pay my bills. Um, I can't remember. I haven't done an ad in like a TV ad in so long. I think the last one I did was for the Royal Melbourne show. And it actually came via Tofop. It was a listener to Tofop who reached out to my agent and, um, it was just an offer. And so I went and did this ad and I remember like there's there's a thing they do in, in, in certain, like when you do voiceovers and stuff, certain ad reads where they just want, they want it up, like, like more energy, happier, just more energy. I've just been doing um, my voiceovers for my getaway episodes and the notes was always, can you just be more up, more up? And there's a certain point where you're like, I don't know I have, and I think feel like I've hit the ceiling of up. I don't know how more up I can go without sounding hysterical. And that was the case with this 
Royal Melbourne show ad where I was just like, and don't forget this rides and blah, blah, blah. And the kids will have fun. And the director was like more. And I'm like, I'm going to be like manic <laughs> screaming at the camera. Borderline, don't you like, dare <laughs> forget that there yeah. are show bags for the children. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was my joker. It was my joker moment. It's just like, they're like, perfect. How, how, <laughs> yeah. you just send that right. through. They're like, can you just dance down these stairs while smoking a cigarette? Um, a, a little side note, Julie just happens to be a healthcare professional. She's a mental health nurse. Yeah. Fantastic. This is from uh, uh, John. So you might remember uh, Steph. We had a, a girl write in last week, Steph, who was a winemaker, and she said the only other person she chats to about TOEFOP is also a winemaker, and then they – no, in TOEFOP 12, we had a, a winemaker, right? And so I was wondering if that was like another subsection. So it turns out the winemaker Steph was referring to was John. So he's written in to say, many thanks to the pod. I am the other one, the other winemaker that Steph was referring to when she wrote in last week. So yes, there are at least two winemakers listening to you. I have a question. How do you both feel about receiving gifts? I ask this because I've been listening from the start and way back near the start of pre-Patreon, I felt like I owed you something for listening to the pod. So I sent you some wine. Does this ring a bell or did your management keep it for themselves? Um, it doesn't ring a bell. We occasionally get gifts like, you know, well, generally with sponsors, they'll send you the product so you can try it before we talk about it. Um, I don't remember getting wine, but it, I don't think our management would have snaffled it because they, our management both tend to stay out of this. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they probably would have seen something addressed to Tofop and thrown it in the bin, yeah, assuming right. it was like a giant Dead box rat. of semen. Used Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto style. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, apologies if you did send us something and we didn't receive it or didn't get back to you. I, I certainly don't receive – I don't remember us getting wine from the podcast we, at any stage. We don't We don't have a post box. No. We used to have a, a postal address and from time and to time – And I personally I, don't really have a postal address at the moment because I am just all over the place. And to the point where um, my credit card company keeps telling me they've sent me a credit card that – I cannot locate. So hopefully oh, someone good. else doesn't just have that credit card and is out no, of the I world. I do. Have you seen Emily the Criminal? That is, uh, that's a boom industry. Um, would you like people to send you gifts as long as they pass the cool things for cool people test? Uh, look, we don't, have a, we don't have a postal address. So we appreciate the sentiment, but I think um, if you want to support us, the best way to do that is Patreon. If you want to, if you want to show your, your um, appreciation for the show, Go to Patreon or go to Redbubble and buy some merch. Get something in return. Help Foz out. Um, I've spent many hours on the track that laughing to myself out loud listening to you guys. I really appreciate the hours of content. It's opened my mind about things I probably was closed-minded about in the past, mainly around sexuality, gender roles, religion, and acceptance of people who are different to me. So many thanks. John, and he closes with a great tagline. You oh, know great. how Good. Steph yes. wanted one? Mm -hmm. So he says, you keep me thinking, so I keep them drinking. Correct. It's a good one, right? Yep. Good. I like it. All right. Final bit of mail here from Sam. Uh, what is this about? I mean, okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> I've been labeling the letters because I used to read them blind and then we'd get halfway through and realize, like, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a funny topic. But, or, uh, <laughs> or, you'd read, or you'd read it before. <laughs> I've read it before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, hey guys, I've been listening back as suggested, and I've made it to episode 343, where I was surprised to hear the words stop, collaborate, and listen. He, he went like this. They're completely different songs. And he went like the Queen one is dun 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 dun, dun and Ice Ice Baby is like dun 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 dun, dun and you were like, that's exactly the same thing that you just said. <laughs> Seven years later, the song with the famous line, Stop, Collaborate and Listen, made him a millionaire before his 21st birthday. I was surprised to hear Will saying this and its relevance to Vanilla Ice, as I was forced to use this phrase while working for a touring school company teaching kids stop animation, which is a horror show in itself. Travelling from school to school, we were told to get the kids' attention by shouting, Stop, Collaborate and Listen. And it brings me an absurd amount of happiness to know that this is somehow also a Vanilla Ice lyric. Now, Sam, I don't want to blow your mind. I mean, you're not wrong. When I, you're thinking what I'm thinking, right? Like, I'm 100% thinking what you're thinking is that's the reason they were saying that, Sam. Is yeah, they were quoting. Not, yes. The phrase comes from Vanilla Ice. Uh, it's not this like is, it, stop, collaborate, and listen is a famous saying that Vanilla Ice appropriated for Ice Ice Baby. This, this is my favourite. There's a, I've spoken about this on Fofop before, but um, there was a joke in my uh, last show, well, Logical, which is available on ABC iView. I'd love if you would check it out. But um, it, that references an old joke, like the great clown Pagliacci, right? Like, you know, <laughs> the, and the amount of people when we posted that online who think that they're like, hey, this is that joke from like that thing that he's ripped off. And you're like, yes. Yes. Like, that's, <laughs> that is the, yes, that is that the, is the point of that's the joke. the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's like 100% the joke. Uh, everything about that job is ridiculous and it makes it so much better finding this out after not working there anymore. I genuinely had to do a double take and rewind the pod to double check I'd heard it correctly. What I love about that is Sam thinks, she thinks that, you, I mean, you saying it. So, so you saying it was like, like a mind blowing. Little did she know that Vanilla Ice was probably the the biggest song of 1992 or 1993. Like, honestly, when someone just yells out "stop," you immediately follow up with "collaborate, yeah, and, collaborate listen. and listen." Ice is back yeah. with a brand new edition. Something. <laughs> Something. Hold me tight. Hold me tight. Will it ever stop? I don't, I don't know. know. Turn, Turn off, off the, the lights. lights and I will glow. And I'll glow. To, to the extreme, extreme I rock the mic like a vandal. Like a vandal. On the stage. <laughs> Watch me jump, jump like a candle. Like a candle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'll do for Tofop this week. Um, we've done all our plugs. Do you have anything else? To- uh, I'm on tour. Uh, so, yeah. uh, like, depending on when you're hearing this, comedy.com.au, but come and see me do some standing up comedy. That would be fun. And uh, I am, uh, there's some other fun live. Uh, stuff that I have coming up uh, later in the year as well that I'm in uh, talks about. So just, yeah, comedy.com.au for all my touring details. Uh, And just one last thing uh, before we go. Um, A lot of people have been confused. Uh, Lately, we've had a couple of technical issues and I've been saying to Mike the Third, hey, man, like um, if we have like a dropout or, or any kind of technical issues, we sometimes play hold music, elevator music, but feel free to fill in whatever you want in there. And I haven't been listening back, but I started to notice a few comments online. And so what Mike has been doing is been using those little interludes <laughs> to play some acoustic guitar. He's been rocking out, what if God was one of us? Um, <laughs> don't speak by no doubt. So 
If anyone is confused, it's because uh, Mike Third has license to get creative in any technical dropouts because there were some very baffled questions a couple of weeks ago. They were like, what was that? There's suddenly like a musical interlude halfway through the episode. Hey, that's why we only employ Mike's on this show. <laughs> I'm Charlie funny. Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> Yeah.